Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Let's ride straight to the middle. <laughs> Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And last hour, we were discussing this matchup tonight between the Broncos in uh, the um, uh, Colts. Colts, thank you, on, on Thursday Night Football. And, of course, we will have our parlay for you later, the primetime parlay that has hit three consecutive times. Yep. You'll be wanting to pay attention to that. But at the same time, Chris, we're talking about who this is more important for, Frank Reich or Nathaniel Hackett. And it's funny. As long as you're talking about head coaching vacancies that we expect to happen this coming off season, the first name that is going to be on that list is Sean Payton. Sean Payton was on with Colin Cowherd uh, on Fox Sports Radio, and this is what he had to say about what he would do to fix Russell Wilson. I'd want to cut up of all Russell's past plays of 30 or more yards from the field and I'd want to see, are there some schemes that he felt very comfortable with? Like, I know that they did a great job in Seattle of bringing him off of a naked boot and then yeah. pulling up. And we all saw that, like, throwback to lock it across the field where the ball traveled 60 yards in the air. Right. Um, then I'd want to look at another film of his red zone touchdown passes inside the 20. And so what I'm asking for from assistance is I'm, I'm asking for some of his greatest hits and to make sure that we have those song lyrics available. <laughs> and, and if not, let's put them in. Look, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because there are going to be some incredibly attractive jobs out there. And with that new ownership group, you'd have to believe that the Broncos would be willing to just throw an absolute bank at Sean Payton. Yeah, money is no object. Now, the question would be, do they offer the kind of control that Sean Payton is looking for? Because let's remember, John Elway is also an executive in the front office in there, and I don't know that he's going to relinquish control over the final 53 to Sean Payton. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, but that will certainly be one of the more attractive destinations that we could potentially see a coaching vacancy at because they have a quarterback that's locked in long-term that's already run a Super Bowl, and he's what, in his early 30s. Mm-hmm. So there's still some more runway there. The thing that I found interesting about his comments is that the schemes he was talking about was exactly what we saw in Seattle. And it's not what we've seen through the first quarter of the season in Denver. And my question is why? If you know that this guy has had success playing a certain way, like Sean Payton said, the naked bootlegs and pulling up and having to stay protection and then throwing the ball across the field on those deep crossing routes to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, why aren't we seeing elements of that in the passing game for the Broncos. I, I mentioned it before, the Broncos are the, have the third highest rate of being under center as opposed to being in the shotgun in the National Football League. They, they want to run the football, and they want the passing game to be a complement to that, but they're not utilizing play action in order to get there. That's what they did under Pete Carroll in Seattle with Russell Wilson. They need to get back to doing more of that. And this game is tailor-made for those types of concepts going up against Gus Bradley's cover three heavy defensive scheme. If they ain't going to get it done tonight, then Colin, I don't know that it's ever going to happen this season. I I don't know that it will either. Um, And I have zero faith in Nathaniel Hackett to be able to, to get that done because it's just, it's so silly to me 
that you get a weapon that Russell Wilson is and you are not using it to its capability or even close to its capability. Yeah. It's nobody thinks he's done. Carlin, they don't move nobody. The, they don't move the pocket at all. Like there, there, there are no sprint outs. There are no boots. There are no half rolls. I, Why? I, just, I, I that, that's the thing. I don't. I I'm don't not get. an offensive coordinator, and I know this is a mistake. But that's that's the thing. Russell Wilson, he's been known for being able to get out on the edge of defense and apply pressure with the downfield passing game, but also with the threat of being able to take off and run the football. Like, think about it. In that game against the 49ers, what did we say? Oh, Russell moved around a little bit, converted that third and long, that extended that drive, and gave them the opportunity for the go-ahead score. Those are the things that we're accustomed to seeing from Russell Wilson. You have to give him more opportunities for that within the structure of your offense, within the play calls. Now, I'm not sure if it's just too much for him with the game management and being a head coach as well as being the play caller. But he's got to find a way to be able to delegate responsibilities or he's got to come to the realization that this is how we have to play in order to get the most out of my quarter of a billion dollar quarterback. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. So I think a lot of us felt like it was a foregone conclusion that the Cowboys job would be open after this season. Still very well may. Yeah, it may because we're we're not judging Mike McCarthy on regular season success and getting to the playoffs. He's got to win some playoff games in order to make sure he keeps his job. But let's say for a, for the moment that Mike McCarthy actually does keep his job. Okay. Or, or, or even I'm not, will, or will, even not no, no, if it's available. No, I'm, I'm willing to live in that universe. Okay. Let's go. But even not, doesn't even have to be. The job can be there. Which of the jobs, if you're Sean Payton, do you want? The Cowboys? I think we think the Broncos are going to be open. Yep. The Chargers could very well be open. Yep. The Colts could definitely be open. Mm-hmm. The Panthers will be open. Yes. <laughs> Those are then these are just the five that we know of right now. If you're Sean Payton in this moment, if those teams let's let's also say that those teams are willing to are all on even ground as far as willing to give you what you want in terms of control. Yeah. What do, what job do you want? I know what I want. I mean the Denver Broncos job is a hell of a job if that becomes open. The Chargers job is an outstanding job, too. I'm not even thinking twice it's the Chargers job. I mean, you're talking about having, what, a top five to seven quarterback in the yeah, game? Th- and, that's and my jumping off point. And Let's go. And he's 24 years old? Yeah. I would have to have full control of the roster, though. Yeah. If I'm Sean oh, yeah. Payton, because the organization, their, rep- trust th- their reputation ain't the best on the street. The no. Spanos family. Matter of fact, they're fighting right now to, to see who has more control with the team. Yeah. You know, the brother and the sister, they're, they're not they're at odds right now trying to control, see who has the controlling interest. That's neither here nor there. If you're Sean Payton, you want to go to a situation where they allow you to be the czar of the operation, similar to what Bill Parcells used to have. And we got to remember, Sean is a Bill Parcells disciple. That's who he came up under. He was the OC for Bill when Bill was in Dallas. I was down there with a lot of other players, DeMarcus Ware, Marcus Spears, Terrell Owens. That's going to be what Sean commands in order to get him back on the sidelines because he he's perfectly content doing what he's doing right now. And he's going to make a very good living doing that. You have to offer him something that blows him away. Mm-hmm. And I think the prospects of working with a player like Justin Herbert and being able to resurrect a franchise and make them relevant in terms of being a perennial contender and trying to win championships, I think that that is appealing. The other thing, it's L.A. It's warm weather. 
Sean Payton at this stage in his career, I'm pretty sure he'd be interested in that. So I'll throw, it makes sense. Uh, I'll throw one last job in there just because if things went horribly awry this year. What's that? The Dolphins. Let's just I, – I know it's probably not going to open. Yeah. But the whole Tua situation, that unfolds unfolds poorly. Yeah. You know, McDaniel, okay, they're better, but, I mean, I, are they going to go to the playoffs with – the way things are right now with Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know. I mean, I think, listen, it was rumored before the season, but here's, before he'd even coached the game. But, but here's the problem with all of it, Carlin. The fact that Sean Payton is out there. He's uh, going to be hovering over he's, everybody. He's, he's a top three or four coach in the NFL, right? Yep. So there are going to be teams that are thinking to themselves, if I have an opportunity to upgrade my coaching situation with Sean Payton, then I'm going to take a stab at it. I'm going to make a run at it because, let's be honest, he's probably better than most teams' head coaches. There's only a handful of teams that would ride with their head coach overtaking Sean Payton. The other thing, too, is if I'm Sean, and let's say I'm not going to take the or the Chargers job is not available, I'd really have an interesting decision to make between, uh, depending on what the draft pick was, between picking my own long-term quarterback or going with Russ. And I personally, I would go with Russ. Yeah, I wouldn't think twice about that. But it, it it's interesting when you think about the fact that Russ is 35, and he would have been coming off a subpar season. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I don't think the prospects of a rebuild scare Sean. I think no. it presents a challenge for him that he would be interested in because that's what Bill Parcells did. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about what the Miami Dolphins were before Parcells got down there. They were a joke. They were a joke. So I, I don't think it's a situation where, I mean, even with the New York Jets, they were a joke before Parcells got there. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that would scare Sean. It would just have to be the ideal situation. And to your point, if he has his pick of quarterbacks coming out of the NFL draft, meaning a team having a top five pick, or he has a proven veteran option in Russell Wilson or Justin Herbert, then I think it makes it it makes it more palatable for him to roll with that situation. But it'll be interesting to see what direction he goes. But I have no doubt that this will be the last season that we see Sean Payton not on an NFL sideline. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Speaking of coaches, there is one NFL coach that is not getting nearly enough credit. You know it's a good tease when I don't even know what the answer to it is. We'll find out what that is next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? It's that time every week, every Thursday. A lot of people love to talk about the NFL all over the network. We like to do it in a nice, fast, pacey way. Yeah, it's Canty and Carlin's version of the two-minute drill. 
Exactly. There we go. And we just call it Canny and Carlin's Pacey NFL segment. It's time for Canty and Carlin's Pacey NFL segment. Evan Wilder, who hosts, joins us right now, who I, I knocked for a tease earlier, and his outward uh, consternation toward Russell Wilson, but he wrote the tease before this break, and it was brilliant stuff. There's the stuff that dreams are made of. Is Evan, that right? Well, it was okay. okay. Evan, how are you? I'm great, and uh, yeah, the question was... Uh, The tease was there's an NFL coach not getting nearly enough credit. So my first question to you guys in this Pacey NFL segment, Mm. which NFL coach has not gotten nearly enough credit for the job he's done this season? Chris Canty. Doug Peterson. I mean, Mm. right now the Jacksonville Jaguars through the first quarter of the season looked like the front runner in the AFC South. And I don't know how we got to this place, but I trust Trevor Lawrence more than any other quarterback in that division. Their defense is playing lights out. As a matter of fact, you're talking about a top-10 offense and a top-10 defense. So I like the Jacksonville Jaguars, the direction that they're going in. And if they continue to take the ball away at the rate that they have and Trevor Lawrence doesn't have five turnovers in one game like we saw in week four against the Eagles, then this team is going to win the AFC South and Doug Peterson should garner Coach of the Year votes. I will give a little love here to Mike McCarthy because they are 3-1 and one and Cooper Rush has steadied the ship at a point when we all thought it, they were dead in the water for the year, and here the Cowboys are very much in the mix for the playoffs and even in the mix for the division, I, I will give Mike McCarthy his due. I don't think it's all Mike McCarthy, but I think he deserves some credit. That is the most backhanded compliment you no, can ever give somebody. No, it's not because Cooper Rush has played very well. Okay. That's right. what I'm saying. All right. Listen, when it's a backhanded I don't do it backhanded compliments. I just smack somebody. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's me, Mr. Tough Guy. What do you got? Next! Yeah, and while we're giving credit, uh, Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano deserve credit for all of these questions because they were in their column today. I didn't put any of these together myself. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love the transparency, Ev. Which one in three... Hey, work, work smarter, not harder, man. Yeah, which, there you go. which one in three team is most likely to turn it around and make a playoff run, Chris Carlin? I- I'm going to go with the Raiders. I think the Raiders are probably the best of the one in three teams right now. Uh, I think it's going to be very difficult to do considering the division they're playing in. I still expect those teams to beat up on one another. And I, I think what people don't realize is when we talk about the AFC West being uh, the best division in football, they're not all going to go 12-4. and four. They're just good quality teams that are going to beat up on each other. I think the Raiders actually are the most likely to make a run at getting to the postseason. I like that pick. The only problem is with the Raiders, they're in the AFC. And there are like four or five teams that I could see making a bid for a wild card outside of the division winners. I'm going with the fighting kneecap biters, the Detroit Lions. Of course you are. That's right. My old teammate, Dan Campbell. Listen, I know the defense is absolutely atrocious, but the offense has scored 35 points or more in three of their first four games. They're the number one scoring offense in the NFL. Only problem is, they're the worst scoring defense in the NFL. I don't know that I've ever seen that combination on one team, but I do have some degree of confidence that it's got to get better because, quite frankly, it can't get any worse. And if they can continue to score points at that rate, then they're going to win some games. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. Carlin, they scored 140 <laughs> points. And you they know, gave up you, 382. No. 
No, no, no. <laughs> they've given up 141. So think about that. Okay. They've given up one more point than they've scored on the season, and yet they're one and three. That is an anomaly. If the law of averages plays out over the course of a 17-game season, they're going to win some games. Okay. All right. Good luck. Maybe you'll be watching some. I think you're going to probably have to go back and watch some of the hard knocks again to feel good about Dan Campbell. I, I, no, I like all, I got, all I got to do is watch what's going to happen in New England this weekend. Okay. Because I think they're going to win that game. Next. On the other side, which 3-1 and one team is most likely to fade the rest of the season? Chris Canty. Why are you putting me in this position, Ev? I know why you asked me this damn question. Cowboys and Giants. Damn you. Three and one. Damn you. I got to say it, the New York Giants. (laughs) I mean, is there any other answer? Like, there are other answers, and then there is the right answer. It's the New York Giants. Like, we're waiting to see if Daniel Jones is going to be healthy enough to play over in London this week against the Packers. But if not, you're talking about Davis Webb making his first career start as great as Saquon Barkley has been all season, I don't have a ton of confidence that he can stay healthy. And then I don't have the confidence that he can keep up this level of productivity. Outside of that, they don't have much else. Their defense will keep them in a lot of games, Carlin, but I don't know, man. They just don't have enough explosive players on the offensive side of the ball to score points, and they're going to struggle if that's going to be the, continue to be the case. I, I got an issue that... Listen, because that's the NFC, I don't see anybody really falling apart. Uh, the Giants may win seven or eight games. Agreed. I don't think it's going to be fading for them. I'll look at the Miami Dolphins, and that's because of the quarterback situation, and that's because they play in the AFC. I think it's going to be very difficult uh, for the Dolphins to get to the postseason, even though they have a, a very good defense and they've got a very good offensive line. So those are two very positive positive uh, developments along with the w- weapons that they so have. So what you're saying is Tua is a good quarterback. That's what you're saying. No, Go ahead I'm, and say it. What I'm saying is that they can make the playoffs with Tua. I'm not convinced they can make the playoffs with Jacoby Brissett. Look, well, it's Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, I'm sorry, Teddy Bridgewater. I just Teddy misspoke. Bridgewater. Yes. The last time we saw Teddy Bridgewater as a backup quarterback, he went 5-0 and oh when Drew Brees was out. I know. So what I you're know. saying is Tua is a good quarterback. I'm saying that's that, what you're saying. That's, no. ahead, that's what you're saying. I'm saying that at three and one, they can win some games. Oh, with here two we go. Them. All right, man. Okay. I don't think he's a franchise. All quarterback. right, here we go. Here we go. Next, Next question, Ev. All right, there's only one right answer. We'll do this one quick. The NFL Defensive Player of the Year will be fill in the blank, Chris Carlin. Well, I said Nick Bosa at the beginning of the year, so I'm going to ride with that. Hold on. Oh, oh, time out, time out. Yeah. How do you put money on yep. Michael Parsons to be the MVP of the damn league and say astray. Nick Bosa is going to be Defensive Player of the Year? Well, it's called value. It's value. Uh, it's it's incredible uh, value. It's and, and I was it's doing ridic- it. It's ridiculous. But, it's but, ridiculous. Chris, go ahead. Go ahead with your Nick Bosa pick. I'm going to take my boy Michael Parsons. I'm going to. I'm going to be consistent. I'm not going to waffle on my beliefs just because he had a couple of games where he didn't well, no, have I'm a sack. I'm not waffling. I you are waffling. I picked Nick Bosa at the beginning of the year for this award. Well, package you up and send you to what if he went? You're waffling. What? First of all, that's the International House of Pancakes, not Waffle House. They sell waffles there, too. <laughs> if you get waffles at IHOP or you get pancakes at Waffle House, I don't want to know yet. Okay. I really don't. Anyway, point being, I don't. I'm looking at Nick Bosa, and I made that pick at the beginning of the year. Why can't Micah Parsons be MVP and Nick Bosa get the Defensive Player of the Year award? Because because if he's a defensive player that can win MVP, then he's the best defensive player in all of football. Maybe they'll just make them both happy. That's all. 
You sound ridiculous right now. Please, I, please take us to break. I, I said Nick Bosa at the beginning you right of the year. Now. I can tell. I'm, I said Nick Bosa at the beginning of the year. I'm going to stick with that. But as a, you didn't stick with that. As a show, I'm, as a family, I can't believe this. I, I, I'm throwing I, money on with I, and you. And I'm throwing my hands up right now because I can't with you. I can't. I can't. Did I pick Bosa at the beginning of the year? I did. And then you took Michael Parsons to win MVP. I want to make some money. That's all. That's all. Just take us to break. It's I, can't, I, I can't. Listen, shame on me for following your lead, my teammate. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, which, by the way, you can watch us live now on the ESPN app. Just hit watch on the bottom tab, and you will be able to watch the show live. We are rolling with Dolan. That's next. Make some money. Maybe not on Parsons, but we're making some money. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Time to make some money, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Every Thursday, Aaron Dolan, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst, joins us to talk Thursday night football bets and also for the weekend. Aaron, how's it going? Things are going good. I apologize for last week. Had an off week, so it can only go up from here. I feel like I didn't even deserve the Dreams and Nightmares intro this week, but I appreciate it. Always. You'll always get it. So let's start with tonight's game, and what are we looking at here uh, for what you got for Thursday Night Football? So this overall just is a tough game to handicap, considering that both teams are a little bit banged up. It's a short week as well. So I'm going to look at this total as a whole, and I feel like the popular play will be the under, but I was going to isolate it to the first half and go under 20 and a half points for this. The one area these teams excel out is not scoring any points. The Colts are one of three teams to hit the under in all four games this season. The Broncos are three, or excuse me, have hit the under in three of four games. And then the offense is ranked in the bottom of the league in terms of points scored per game as well. Uh, the Colts ranked dead last with 14 points scored per game. And then you got the Broncos, 17 points on average per game. That's ranked 31st. Then if you narrow it down to that first half, which is what I wanted to isolate it to, I mean, you got the Broncos in the first half at home averaging five points, uh, 10 points overall, but just Indy not as great either. Six points on average in the first half. It's just going to be a slow start to the game, honestly. And I this numbers continue to come down, which is why I'm saying it. At under 20 and a half right now, it was 21 and a half yesterday, but I just don't see this being a high scoring game whatsoever. 
Aaron, are there any player props that you like in tonight's matchup? Yes, I'm going to lean towards, or not lean towards, I do like this prop. Matt Ryan passing attempts over 32 and a half. So instead of focusing on that completion, just considering the Denver defense is actually good, I'd rather go for that attempt prop. He's going to end up throwing the ball. We know Jonathan Taylor is not going to be playing in this game. And unfortunately, you know, that's one of the areas that they could have really exploited on Denver's defense mm-hmm. against the run because they are good at stopping the pass. So that's why I'm going for that attempt. And if you look back to the last four games, He's averaging 39 attempts per game. He hit over this number in three or four games. And, again, look, I know the Broncos are good against the pass, but that doesn't mean that, you know, this is in completions. This is attempts. So I do like him to get over 32 and a half. Aaron Dolan, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. All right, this weekend, what do we got? All right, this weekend. First play that I actually love, and it always sounds biased here, but uh, – the Eagles first half minus three. Go <laughs> minus three on Caesars. It's minus three and a half every off. But get this. We know the birds are unbeaten, but they really excel in that first half. In fact, they lead the league with an average of 23 points scored in the first half. As for Arizona, they rank dead last in points scored in the first half with an average of four points. The Arizona Cardinals have not scored a point in the first quarter at all this entire season. Wow. Okay, that's a huge discrepancy. So I do like the Eagles to start off hot and be able to cover that first half spread. Again, that line's already moving up. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to do so. But first half minus three right now in Caesars. Aaron, I got to ask you about the Steelers-Buffalo Bills game. The, the Bills are laying 14 at home. Kenny Pickett's getting his first start. It's the first time that the Steelers have been 14-point dogs since 1969. So how do you see that game? Is there a play there? Where's the value? Yeah, so, you know, when we're prepping for our shows, we're trying to find these best bets. And I'm like, you know what? I love the Steelers. And I talked about it earlier in the week. And then I'm like, you know, Kenny Pickett versus Josh Allen. Like, I just start breaking it down in my head. And I'm like, I cannot pick a side either way here because you think with the Steelers, it's way too many points. The Steelers upset the Bills, by the way, last season. Mm-hmm. So we, we saw what they were able to do. That defense is really good. Which And I don't like the way the Bills looked in that first half against the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens, the fact that they lost, two games already this season with the 17-point, you know, lead is insanity. That's not something that's normal. So the fact they were able to come back in that game was impressive on Josh Allen's part. But it does feel like too many points. If I if I absolutely had to, I would take the points. But then when I start breaking it down, I'm like, how how the Bills should be able to cover this. So I'm, I'm in the middle there. I know I'm, like, not making a definitive stance. But, I mean, it's just – it's a lot of points. Either way. Sunday night football, Aaron. Bengals-Ravens. What do we think? All right, Bengals team total over 23 and a half. Uh, the Ravens are atrocious on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know how they could be much terrible than this. I mean, they're ranked third in ranked third worst in yards allowed per game. They're dead last against the pass, allowing 315 passing yards per game. They've allowed opponents to score an average of 25 points per game. I just think this game's going to be super competitive, and I would say to take the Bengals with the points and ways as well and look at Joe Burrow over 273 and a half passing yards. He's hit over that mark in three of four games so far, and I think he'll be able to get over that considering the Ravens, how bad they are on defense. I just This could end up being a really high-scoring game in the shootout, so I do like the number of over 23 and a half. All right, Aaron. Cowboys, Rams, outside of Matt Stafford to throw an interception, <laughs> what's the best play in this game, how this is going to go? Did they tell you that was one of my favorite plays? I just filmed no, a video. No, Did someone no. tell you that? That didn't no. get leaked? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> so I do um, in that game, that's a tough one because I do feel like, you know, there's a shot that Dallas could end up covering that just with the way that they have been playing. 
But I do like Matthew Stafford to throw an interception. I mean, the guy leads the league in interceptions. They got six through four weeks. He's had at least an interception, 11 of 17 games last season. You got Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence coming at you. Stafford's interception prone. He's going to end up throwing one in this game, and I would probably have to take the points with Dallas at this point. Great stuff, Aaron. We appreciate it as always. Good luck this weekend. Cash and winners. Thanks, guys. Aaron Dolan, ESPN sports betting analyst with us. You know, before the season, Canty made a bold prediction. This weekend, our first chance to see if he's got it right. We'll explain next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Feverishly working on your parlay of the night. The primetime parlay. Yes. That will be on the way just a little later in the show as we have hit three in a row. And let's just say tonight, we may be going against America. That's all. Maybe. Just a little bit. Maybe. Well, we dare to be different. Exactly. Doesn't bother us. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. So, Victor Webanyama, the uh, outstanding young seven foot four, seven, seven five, five, seven five, sh- guy who can handle the ball, shoot basically the presumed number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. There had been some talk that maybe he should consider sitting down for the rest of the year after he was playing. Uh, in the G League the other night. Well, according to his representation, it wasn't talk. It was NBA teams that figured to be in position to draft him. Suggesting. Encouraging him to sit out the rest of the year. And his agent said there was no thought of even taking that to Victor Webinyama. We're not even going to discuss this with him because we knew what the answer was going to be. What the hell are you guys thinking about? Well, I mean, I understand it from team standpoint. They don't want this guy to get hurt. Look what just happened uh, with Chet Holmgren this offseason. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. I understand where they're coming from. You want to you want to make sure that you have an opportunity to get a healthy, uh, outstanding young player who you think can be a franchise cornerstone for a long time. And I hear where you're coming from, Carlin, but think about this. Giving away a year of development and opportunity to compete against better yep. competition mm-hmm. in the G League, I, I don't know that Victor Webanyama is in position to just fork over that. Like, you know, players get better by playing the actual sport. Yeah, there are drills that you can do to improve, but actually playing against the level of competition that he's going to be exposed to this upcoming year, I think it's only going to benefit him in terms of his overall development and getting ready for the NBA game because it's going to be different than anything else he's played in. Who are we looking at that is really going to go in the tank for this? Are we looking at, you know, Utah? Really trying to go in the tank? I could absolutely see Danny Ainge doing that. I absolutely, absolutely see that. Absolutely see Danny Ainge doing that. You know, I mean. Houston, Houston's going to be around. God forbid the Sacramento Kings are going to be around. You know, the, the, the San Antonio Spurs don't figure to be that good this no. year. Like, there are going to be teams, uh, uh, you know. 
We'll see what happens with the Indiana Pacers. Like, there will be teams that are going to be in the tank that will get an opportunity for Victor Webinyama. And unfortunately, he's probably going to go to one of them. And it sucks for all of us because it's like being banished to basketball Siberia. You want him to get with a functional franchise where he has a chance to develop properly. I will say this. It is good that you've got the two young, great players in the G League because I actually want to pay a little bit of attention now to the G League, to what's going on with them. No doubt. Like, I care about it. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. So, we've got the Cowboys and Rams coming up this weekend. We spent some time yesterday uh, talking about which team and which coach really needs this game. Not which coach, but which team uh, is desperate to get this game. But Mm. Canty said before the season, as you heard just moments ago, he was berating me for sticking to Nick Bosa, even though I was willing to put a few bucks on Micah Parsons to be the overall MVP. Canty, Mm -hmm. before the year, said that he will be the best defensive player in the NFL at the end of the year. Yeah, Maybe it wasn't going out on a limb because he's an amazing young talent. Yeah, and he finished second in defensive player of the year voting last year. Yeah. He won offense. I mean, he won rookie defensive player of the year. But here's what's, yeah. more, here's what's more interesting, though. Think about this. You've got him and you've got Aaron Donald this week, mm-hmm. who is the best defensive player in the league as of the moment. And you've got the guy who was the presumptive guy to take over. Is this almost as good as having two quarterbacks go head to head? Yes, because I think both teams are going to have to be led by their defense in order to have success in this game. And Mm. it's going to be up to the defensive front that can generate the most pressure and force the opposing quarterback into the most mistakes. That's going to have the best chance to win this game. This is not going to be led by their offense. As much as we love what we saw from the Rams last year, their formula for success is going to look a lot different, and they're going to have to lean on Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, and Jalen Ramsey in order to do high-level winning. And the Dallas Cowboys have that same formula. It's going to be Micah Parsons. It's going to be Trevon Diggs, who's having a phenomenal year, by the way, Carlin. I mean, he's got two picks. He's got nine passes defense, Mm -hmm. and he's allowing a quarterback rating of 54.6 into his coverage. This year, they should be a little more afraid of throwing his way. Can can I say this? Yeah. And, and And I said this on get up this summer but after what i've seen through the first four weeks of the season the best defensive tandem in all of football it ain't jalen ramsey and aaron donald no more it's michael parsons and trayvon diggs and the way that those two are playing this year that's where this is going it's those two guys it's not a question to me anymore those guys get after it and here's the thing about michael parsons because everybody's focused on him not getting any sacks the last couple of games Think about all of the opportunities that he's creating for other people to put pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Dorrance Armstrong, Demarcus Lawrence, those guys, uh, Osa Digizua, Neville Gallimore. Those guys are getting quarterback pressures, quarterback hits and sacks because of Micah Parsons. The offense is getting to the line of scrimmage and they're saying, where is number 11? And they're not paying attention to anybody else, and those other guys are feasting. Let me throw another tandem match in and see if they could actually give them a run for their money. What we got? Bosa and Tafunga. It's going in the right direction. Yeah. It's going in the right direction. But, I mean. I'm with I, you right now. What I, I saw I think... from Diggs last year and how he's gotten better this year. Remember, well, Diggs was one of those guys where somebody's band is going to play when you throw at him. Either your team is going to be happy because he's going to get the pick, or the other team is going to be happy because they're going to score a touchdown. 
he's eliminated allowing all of those big plays Mm -hmm. while still giving you those ball skills and being able to create takeaways. Teams are going to think twice before throwing his way right now. They better. And they weren't before. They better. Even with the picks. And I give him credit because he has improved that area of his game a great deal. Mm -hmm. But this is, I love the idea that you have these two defensive players, and especially Parsons, wanting to show what he can do. And you would think, given what's going on with the Rams' offensive line, this would be a week where he is going to put on a show. Like the last two games, he hasn't had a sack, but you're right. He creates opportunities for other guys. No, he's going to get a sack this week. Think about this, Carlin. Last week against the 49ers front, the Rams' offensive line allowed seven sacks, 11 quarterback hits, and 17 pressures. And, Carlin, Matt Stafford threw to pick six. I got to be honest with you, he could have thrown two or three more interceptions. That's how bad he was in that game. Now, you can say it was because of the pressure. You can say it was because of the elbow. But I know this. When you put quarterbacks under the rest, they seem to make bad decisions. And I feel like that's going to be early and often in this Week 5 matchup between the Rams and the Cowboys. Look, I I would expect the same. And – I'd be stunned if Stafford didn't throw two picks in this game. Yeah. This feels like, let's call it what it is. When Stafford is bad, Chris, he is bad. Yeah, he's bad. And I, I, I don't bad. know about you. He's really bad. I saw this comment from McVay uh, earlier, maybe it was yesterday, uh-huh. talking that Stafford was excellent Monday night and that he's going to just keep on playing at a high level like this. Like, Sean, I get it. I understand I, I you got to keep that. pumping him up. Yeah. I didn't he see he that. actually said that he played excellent on Monday night. I, I didn't see that. I was shocked. I was shocked. And and so with that being the case and Stafford where he is, like this is an opportunity for a defensive show. And at the same time with Donald, I mean he could he has an, he has a real chance here to wreak some havoc. Mm-hmm. A real chance. Like, we could see Aaron Donald against the Cowboys' offensive front. We absolutely could. We could, week. but here's the thing. I anticipate the Cowboys coming out in multiple tight end sets, Carlin, mm-hmm. to try to shore up that offensive line. Make sure you get double teams on Aaron Donald at all times, but also making sure you help out your tackles on the exterior with those pass rushes, those edge pass rushes. So I, I, I don't see the Cowboys opening up the set and allowing that defensive front from the Rams, Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald and company, to get after Cooper Rush. That's just not going to happen. That's not how they've done business, especially in the absence of Dak. And I think we're going to continue to see more of the same, which is trying to lead with the run game, if for no other reason, to set up opportunities in play action. And when you are asking Cooper Rush to do straight drop-back passing, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He hits that back foot on a three-step drop or a five-step drop, and it's coming out. That's what I anticipate against this Rams team. And here's the thing. You're not going to mess around with Jalen Ramsey, but that other corner, Kendricks, you're going to go after him. Yep. That That's all the San Francisco 49ers did in that game on Monday night. And I would anticipate that that's going to happen again because we know this is a copycat league, Carlin. And if you see one team having success throwing at one corner, what do you think the next team is going to do? Mm-hmm. Scheme to throw at that same corner. Here is a quote from McVay. If you look at the same, uh, if you look at some of the different things that he was dealing with, I thought he played excellent. I thought he did a lot of good things. I think the margin for error was that much smaller. I thought that was a performance he could build on. So he's throwing everybody else under the bus. I didn't see that performance. Neither did I. At all. And I don't know if he's just trying to make Stafford feel better or continue to try to build up the narrative. 
of Stafford being healthy, but boy, I was shocked when he said that. Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.